Burns and Gambo. Big Red Reacts. Reaction to yesterday's Cardinals game. Brought to you by Wicopa Casino Resort, where world-class action meets Ford Diamond Splendor. I'm just going to tell everybody right now, listen to uh, Okay, here we go. We huddle up before the show, and we pick the plays that are going to be a part of Big Red Reacts. Yes. We really struggled this week. We really struggled this week. Like, hey, which screenplay do you want to throw in here? You know? <laughs> which, <laughs> which Matt Prater field goal do you want to put in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was a real struggle to round this out, but we did the best we could to try to tell the story of yesterday's 20-12 to loss to the L.A. Rams to drop the Cardinals to 1-2. and two. Let's go through some of these. The Cardinals okay. start the game 3-and-out blocked punt. Oh. The Rams would convert that to a 22-yard Matt Gay field goal to lead 3-0. The Cardinals would follow that up with another 3-and-out punt, and that led to the Rams getting on the board with a touchdown thanks to a really nicely designed play. Easy touchdown. Cooper Cup. Dapper takes, and Cooper Cup on a jet sweep has it. Totally fools the Cardinals. 10-5 walk-in touchdown. That totally fooled the Cardinals. He came in motion, took it on a jet sweep to the far side. All the Cardinals were running to the left of the formation. Cooper was running to the other side, and he walks in basically from 20 yards out for the first touchdown of the game. Yeah, just a motion play. He was lined up on the right over Marcus Golden, comes in motion, and just a perfectly timed play. They hand the ball to him, and he gets in for an easy touchdown. Seven plays, 58 yards on the drive. Yep, follow me on this one, the very next position for the Cardinals. Go figure they would punt, but on this one, Aaron Donald got himself a little personal history. Hurry back to pass. Pumps left, being chase, hit at the 30, gets rid of the ball as he's about to be sacked, incomplete, but they're going to call him for grounding, maybe. There was no foul in the play for intentional grounding. The quarterback's knee was down. Oh, his knee was down. See, if I, I don't want that being my 100th sack. I'm like, can we take that off the board? He's fine. He, he didn't, his knee didn't hit the ground. The highlight package for it. Here's Aaron Donald, sack number 100. I mean, he got his, his fingertips on the guy's toes. I mean, that's... But anyway, it's a sack. Number yeah. 100 is a 15-yard loss. Put the Cardinals in a third and 21 situation. Yeah, and the Cardinals would end up punting. It would lead to another Matt Gay 40-yard field goal. Now the Rams are up 13-0. The Cardinals, after yet another punt, would get a stop on defense. And now we're into the second quarter. The Cardinals finally get their offense. It wakes up a little bit. A fourth and inches conversion by Connor. A fourth and two complete to Hollywood Brown. And then this. One of the longest plays of the day to Hollywood Brown for 20. Yep, on a screen play. Murray back to pass. Wide receiver screen to the left. Caught on the far side of the 45 at the 40. Loose is Brown at the 35. And out of bounds on the far side. They spot him out inside the 30 at the 27. That's a gain of 20. Marquise Brown, by far his best game. He's already got six catches on six targets here in the first half. Yeah, he had had another reception on that drive that set up the fourth and one that you talked about with Connor. He had a 10-yard gain on a third and 11, and then that big play for 20 yards. Unfortunately, the drive would stall out. An incomplete pass to Zach Ertz in the end zone went right through his hands. Incomplete to Connor. Looked like he dropped it right around the two-yard line. This, I promise, well, no, it's not the only Matt Prater field goal I'm going to play for you here, but I'm going to play it because that's what it led to. Matt Prater on for a field goal try. Snap, spot, the kick is on the way, and the kick is good. So at least the Cardinals get points. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. At least they got points. Uh, they would get more points later. Greg Dorch had himself another good game. This is right before halftime. Shotgun snap to Murray. Three-step drop. Now moves to his right. Throws deep near side. Dorch is there. Makes the catch inside the 30. Tackled inbounds. And the Cardinals call a timeout. Dorch tackled inbounds at the 25 with seven seconds to go. What an incredible throw with touch by the quarterback. I love that. That you know, I love that drive because there's 48 seconds left when they get the ball back. They've got two timeouts left. AJ Green got hurt on that drive. You go to Ertz for 10 yards, Brown for 11. That big play to Dorch for 30 sets up another field goal. Yeah, sets up another field goal. But you go into the locker room at halftime. You're down, down 13 score. to six. Down one, one score, score one, for as yeah. thoroughly as you'd been outplayed in the first half. You're in it, and then the defense starts waking up a little bit to open up the second half. JJ Watt, who's responsible for the only two sacks of the season so far for the Cards. And Stafford back to throw in trouble and sacked by J.J. Watt at the 20-yard line. J.J. got back there to take down Stafford for a loss of eight on the play. Yeah, two sacks. I'm happy with what I'm seeing out of J.J. Watt. Now, they don't have much of a pass rush at all. They really don't. But he does have a sack in each of his first two games this year with the Cardinals. That's a good sign. Yep, it is. The Cardinals would get the ball back. Go figure. Another field goal. A six 16-play drive would lead to a 49-yard field goal, and now the Cardinals are only down 13-9. The Rams get the ball back, and in what um, Sean McVay called the play of the game. You're avoiding the sack Third of Zavin? and 11. Uh, yeah. I don't have the play-by-play cut. Zavin Collins had Stafford dead in dead. his sights. Yep. He spun away, zipped the ball to cup on 3rd and 11 for the first down, and then on the very next play... First and 10. On the 35 of the Rams, Stafford takes the snap, play action. Again, sidearms, it's a screen to the right. Higby at the 40-yard line, at the 50 in Cardinal territory at the 40, and tackled at the 39. That was almost an underhanded screen pass that goes for 25 yards and a first down. If Zavin yeah. gets Zavin Stafford on the him. play before, we might be talking about a different deal here today, Gambo. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe not. Um, you know, at that point, they went all Cam Akers, and I'm sure you have a highlight there. But, yeah, maybe if they get if they were able to get that stop, it's a different ball game. But the Cardinals were just struggling offensively to get in the end zone. Yeah, Cam Akers, five-yard run, 14-yard run, six-yard run, and then ran it in from 14. Stafford takes, give to Akers, running left. Got a crease of the 10 to the 5, and dies for the end zone. They haven't signaled yet. Now they do. Touchdown. Touchdown Akers off the left side with a minute to go in the third to stretch the lead to 10 for now. Broke that tackle by, by Byron Murphy on yeah. that run. As you see Zayvon Collins get blocked right out of the play by the wide receiver yes. Skorinek. Yes. Yeah, I'd be like, it, it just erased. That kid had himself a game. Yeah, he sure did. He had and a good game. erased Zayvon Collins on that play. So now at this point it's 20-9. to nine. The Arizona Cardinals are trailing. We go into the fourth quarter. The Cardinals get the ball back and the decision that Gambo talked about a couple of segments ago. The decision to go for it on fourth and four from the Rams 26 rather than kick the field goal. Here's what it sounded like. Snap to Kyler. Short step. Now in trouble. Flush left. Throws left. And incomplete. Almost picked off by Kendrick. He was going for Hollywood Brown. Rams take over on downs and the Cardinals get nothing. 
Yeah, we could debate this all day long. I would have kicked the field goal, made it a one-score game. You know, I, I'm, I'm definitely a lot more conservative. You know, and at that point, I just want to keep it a one-score game. I want to get it to a one-score game. Instead, you know, Cliff was just feeling like, man, we're just not having any success. I want to get in the end zone. Uh, he's had a Cliff himself has had a lot of success on fourth downs. A lot of success. That one didn't work. No, they've been one of the best teams at fourth down conversions so far this year. So the Rams get the ball back after the Arizona Cardinals go for it on fourth down and don't get it. And this is Buda Baker coming through at the goal line after a long drive by the Rams. Stafford takes the snap. Hands for Akers up the middle. And Akers fumbled the ball and it's recovered by the Cardinals at the two-yard line. They still have life. Down 11 at that point, Gambo. And we, I can't believe I haven't even brought this up yet. This, to me, might be the most frustrating part of that game yesterday. The drive the Cardinals went on after that okay. had all of the urgency of a black-and-white movie from the 1920s. I mean, it was just like, come on, guys, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It was so slow. They acted like it was a one-possession game instead of a two-possession game. 6.39 left when Buda forces the fumble. 6.39 left. Helmet helmet to ball hit. Great fumble. So they get the ball. 6.39 left when Buda makes the hit. By the time they kick the field goal... Is a minute and ten left. So they took five and a half minutes forever to get down the now, field. Now they were at their three yard line, so they had a long way to go. But 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 watching it back and watching the urgency at which they were playing that final drive, I know they had the scoreboard right in front of them. I know they knew they needed two scores. Man, they were playing so slow, and it just had it lacked any kind of urgency, any kind of of necessary urgency and importance in that moment. It led to a Matt Prater field goal from 31 to make it a one-score game. By the way, had the first rush by Kyler Murray on that drive with four minutes and five seconds left in the game. That was Kyler Murray at his first rush of the game. Yep. The Matt Prater tries the onside kick. It's recovered by Tyler Higby. Prater walks up to the ball and does hammer it into the ground on the near side, and Higby is there to make the catch for the Rams at the 48 of Arizona. And that's... Was it yesterday? Twenty twelve. That's all she wrote. Again, that wasn't the, so exciting. Not the best highlights. No, we 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 can only work with what we're given. Gambo. Exactly. I mean, exactly. It's, it's like you know, yeah. Somebody brings home the groceries. That's I don't you can only cook with what's there. Meal, right? right. That's, that's all I had for you. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Gambo mentioned it just a second ago. Kyler Murray didn't even have a rushing attempt in the first three quarters of the game. We'll talk about that coming up here on the Burns and Gambo show. How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Big Red Monday and Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Murray back to pass. Pumps left, being chased. Hit at the 30. Gets rid of the ball as he's about to be sacked. Incomplete, but they're going to call him for grounding, maybe. There was no foul in the play for intentional grounding. The quarterback's knee was down. Oh, his knee was down. down. That was Aaron Donald with the sack yesterday. We just played that in Big Red Reacts as we welcome you back to Burns and Gambo. Cardinals lose yesterday 20-12 to the Rams. It's now McVay is, what, 11-1? Or the Rams are 11-1 in their last 12 games against the Cardinals. It's been sheer another domination by the Rams over the cards in a very winnable game yesterday. With so many things to talk about in yesterday's 
game. I, I think feel like you're right about that. I mean, that was a winnable game. Oh, very winnable. The Rams did oh, oh. not play. The Rams did not play great. That was a winnable game. <laughs> it was extremely winnable for yeah. the Cardinals. I, I mean, there were and one of the elements that I think would have made it a winnable game was Kyler Murray running the football. It was one of our big talking points last week after the Raiders game. It makes Man, him special. It makes him unique. It makes him unguardable. He didn't do it yesterday. No, he didn't have they, a rushing attempt in the first three quarters of the game yesterday. No, they, 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 they effectively took him out of the game. Look, they played guys 10 yards back in coverage, and then they just they, they contained. They just contained. They didn't feel like we got to get... Look, they rushed four... They rushed four guys. They had seven in coverage, but they made sure that they, they kept that outside containment. They didn't allow him to run. I did think in looking at the game that there was some opportunities there to run for Kyler, but he just didn't do it. I mean, it's something this team, it's like, it's like kryptonite. They've got something over the Cardinals and, you know, Arizona just can't seem to get over that. But that was Kyler threw for a lot of yards, but it was not a good Kyler Murray game. No, it wasn't. Here's him after the game on whether it was by design for him to run more later. In the game, I mean, they got five down, um, rushing me high. It's uh, it ain't it ain't just you know run around and make make plays. Like it's not it doesn't work like that. Um, guys get tired, follow the game. You know, second half, second quarter, whatever it may be. Yeah, lanes start to open up and stuff like that. So you know, dudes are dudes are juiced and ready to go. First quarter, you know, first quarter. Um, Gap integrity, all they're a good team. They got good players over there, so they're smart. They rush me differently than other guys. So. So um, that breaks down, you know, during you know the course of the game, and that's when you know it's easier for me to get out and do stuff like that. But um, yeah, that's my answer. Good answer. I mean, they rush me differently than other teams do. They're smart. They're smart. They, you know, they play you two times every year. You know what? They know you differently than the Raiders and the Chiefs. Like this, you know, teams that play you once and then don't play you again for three years, they can only do so much looking at tape. But when you've played all of these games against Kyler Murray two times every year, three times last year, for goodness sakes. Yeah. I don't know one game they missed, but like they, you know, you know, my point here is they know him real well. Yeah. They're able to devise a good game plan. It's a really good point. And I didn't even mean to find this. I just kind of stumbled on it accidentally. I was doing a search of Kyler Murray's career, how often he only had two rushes yesterday for eight yards, right? Yeah. So I did a quick search that organized Kyler Murray's games by rushing attempts. The three games in which he's had the fewest rushing attempts. Rams, Rams, and Rams. Rams, Rams, and Rams. He's had two rushing attempts in four games in his career. Three of the four have come against the L.A. Rams. He has not won a game. He's tied a game, but he has not won a game in which he has had fewer than five rushing attempts in his career. If he has less than five... Say that again? The Cardinals... And I'm, I'm... Say that again. I'm just learning this for the first time, to be honest with you. I, I, I didn't look, look at this. Like okay. shocked right here. Okay. He, the Cardinals have not won a game where Kyler Murray has ran the football less than five times in his career. Any games in which he's run at 4 3 2 1 and no times they haven't won. Correct. Wow. Correct. If I'm reading my stats wow. right, I'm looking at his there entire probably career. There aren't many games that are in that category. One, five, two, total, three, probably? four, five, six, seven, oh, eight, geez. nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. Eleven games in which he's had either four rushing attempts, three rushing attempts, or two rushing attempts. And they're 0-11? They're 0-10-1. They tied Detroit in his debut. 
in the opener you back know, in 2019. Hey, listen, you're, you're good. You're done for the day. That was a, that's a great nugget. <laughs> can I go home? You can go home. Yeah, that I, was. I get to go home. You just found like some gold there. They are 0 10 and one when Kyler Murray rushes for uh, rushes less than five times. Yeah. That is phenomenal. I didn't know that. That's phenomenal. You better write that down so you remember it. Yeah. Just got it up again to be sure. Put it in one of your note things that you pay four ninety nine a month for or something like that. <laughs> my Evernote. My Evernote.com. Evernote.com. Yes, man, to, you throw it in there right now. I'll have to, I'll have to put that in there. That's, yeah. a, that's a good nugget. I mean, at first I was looking at him, like, okay, the Rams. Yeah, he's not lying about the Rams. The Rams. Now, one of those games he was hurt. One of those games was the was the Chris whatever, Trevler whatever, game, but whatever, whatever, right? I mean, you know, he's, he's had two rushing attempts. In four games, three of the four have come against the L.A. Rams. They just defend him differently. They figure him out. He had another one where he only ran it four times against the L.A. Rams. And they don't win those games. They never. So we can sit here and say it's important for him to run. He's got to run. It's so crucial for him to run. And yeah, it is. And it backs it up. It's the secret ingredient. But what's also equally true, the Rams are very good at taking that away from him. The Rams are very good at taking that away from him. So Cliff's got to know that. He's got to come up with another way to beat the Rams. And so far, obviously, it hasn't worked out real well for him. Except for last year in L.A. when you beat him. Which, how many rushing attempts did he have that day? Let me see if I can find I mean, we have to, do we feel that Kyler Murray can win a game when he's kept in the pocket the whole game? Yes. Like, I mean, I still, yeah. like, but he's 0-10-1 when he's... Well, when, like, when his I rushing know, attempts are okay, down, yeah. You don't, you don't give me that stat. You don't give me that stat. And I'm probably sitting here saying, I think that they can win games in which Kyler Murray has to sit in the pocket and deliver the football. I mean, they're not going to win a ton of them, but I think they could win some. They haven't won one. They haven't won one game. No. So like I, but I would have said like I think look they had chances to win that game yesterday, but if Zach Ertz doesn't drop a touchdown, if James Conner doesn't you know drop the ball, I mean there were some opportunities for them to you know to get some touchdowns with him not running. They just they just didn't play well in the win last year against the Rams. Yeah, he ran the ball six times for thirty nine yards. So he was he was able to get out there and run a little bit more in that game, and even yeah, that's good it, stuff. Yeah, even in the loss at home in December, he ran the ball seven times for sixty-one yards. But but yeah, for the most part, okay. So last year, notwithstanding, if you look at his career, there's been an ability. Real quick, quick word about Hollywood Brown, who set a career high yesterday yeah. in receptions, and he was targeted seventeen times by Kyler. Listen, I can look at every single one of those, and I'm going to go back to the one play where they they missed on a on a bomb by about a yard and a half. That remember that play? That I mean that that changes everything. Hollywood Brown had a great game. Can't take anything away from him. But the Rams effectively took away the explosive plays that the Cardinals have. And I want Hollywood Brown. Like I need the like 14 catches for 140 yards. That's a great game. It's a great game. But I need that one big play. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't. And understand. they had it. They had it. They just missed it. But that's the difference. You know, that could be the difference in a game is that one play. If A.J. Green isn't able to come back, and it sounds like he's a real question mark this week with a bone bruise at his knees, your top four wide receivers are five feet nine inches tall, five feet seven inches tall, yeah. five feet nine inches tall, and five feet ten you know inches tall. You know the Smurfs? I do. I do. I can only remember. I can only name one of them. Papa Smurf. Gary Clark. 
<laughs> oh, I was, talking about, I was talking about the actual Smurfs, like no, the cartoon, the, the, the Smurfs. No, the no you're talking about the, the football players yeah, who were the Smurfs. The, I, the, I, I remember them. I don't. The old Washington Redskins, now the com- Commanders, they had a Smurf team, a Smurf lineup with a whole bunch of guys. Look up. I think it was like 1980, early 80s, early 80s. Look up Washington, early 80s. Smurfs. Now, Art Monk was the one tall guy, but they had Gary Clint, like three guys that were all 5'8". They were little. They were little. Can't remember all that. I remember Gary Clark. Gary Clark, Art Monk. Who was the other guy? I'm looking for It was forward. like three of them, like three or four of them. Virgil Say, Alvin Garrett. Um, ter- uh, I'm having a hard time finding I need a break. I need a commercial break to find them. I'll look for I can't do this and be on the air at the same time. I'll find them. I'll find them. It's like doing math. Well, it's kind of. When we come back, usually I'm good with the Google, but I wasn't good on that one. When we come back, we knew it was going to get asked about, and it did. Today, James Jones, Monty Williams, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, they were all asked about Robert Sarver. You'll hear what they all had to say about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. I think I'm in agreement um, with selling a team. I think that's the best outcome for everyone involved. Uh, the players, the fans, the staffers, uh, everyone that was impacted on so many levels. Um, it, it, it brings some closure uh, to a long period of discomfort and uneasiness, but it also gives us a pivot point to continue to focus on um, raising the standards of our organization and uh, leading by example. Sun Zero Manager James Jones today. Such at a calming influence. Media Day. You know, it's funny you say that. I was thinking exactly the same Just thing. Just a calming influence. Like, you know, I'm going to call it out for what it is. It was wrong, but we have an opportunity to make this a better organization and go forward. I mean, he is, you know, very rarely will James Jones not say the right thing. I mean, he's a very, he's a very smart, intellectual guy, thinks before he speaks, yep. always prepared. And very rarely does he ever say anything that makes you, you know, he almost always says the right thing. Well said, which is why he and Monty Williams, who's very similar in that regard to James, are just the two guys you would kind of want to help guide the team through all of Could this. You picked, yeah, I mean, there are other people, but that's two good ones Those right there. Those are two there. really good people to kind of guide everybody through this. And James, you just talked a second ago, there was, as you would expect, a lot of reaction at Media Day today from the Suns about the news that Robert Sarver is selling the team based off of the results of the investigation and the pressure on him to do so. James Jones very smartly and very correctly mentioned the people who were affected by Robert throughout all this. I empathize, I sympathize, and, and I, I feel for them. Um, you know, when I made my statements last year, I stand by that, that that's my experience, and, and I didn't, and I still to this day, I can't speak for, for others and their experience. Uh, but now that we know, um, like I said, those, those things aren't acceptable. They're not cool. Um, and I think those that have been impacted deserve our respect and our support, and, and I'm here for that. Um, but I won't discount um, what I said because it, it was my experience. 
the, what he said last year was his statement that was released about a year ago in which he said that those allegations were not the Robert Sarver that he knows. And sure, he reiterated sure. that again today. Like, that's mm-hmm. not the Robert Sarver I knew. But but for anybody who was affected by this other version of him yeah. that I didn't know, that Look, I didn't there's see. there's nine out of ten people. To them, that's not the Robert Sarver that they knew. Okay, that's not the Robert Sarver that they knew. Now, maybe some of those nine, 90% are not surprised by it, but it's also not the person. You judge people with the way they treat you, the way you treat, you know, the, your interactions with them. James Jones is basically saying, look, I've been here for a long time. I haven't seen any of that and know any of that. That's not the guy that I know. Now, a lot of those things happened before James Jones was here, but there was still some of them, as you you know mentioned, there was still some of them that even took place as, as early as, as last year. As last year, yeah. And he smartly, very smartly pointed out that just because that was my experience was with him doesn't mean that that was the only experience with him and that everybody else was wrong. Everybody has a different, you know, a different set of experiences with him. And I don't want to minimize their pain or what they went through. Devin Booker said something very similar today. It's tough. You know, it's tough for me because, you know, that's not the, the Robert Sarber that I know. Um, it's not the Robert Sarber that welcomed me to Phoenix with open arms. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, insensitive to everybody that's involved in the situation. You know, and I understand everybody's personal experience with other people are are always going to be different. Um, but it's tough to read because that's not the person I know. That was a tough spot for Book because they, they are they were they were close. Yes, and I don't know if they still are, but Robert helped Book with his first, I think, two houses that he bought. He was he was you know helping him there. I think he also helped him in a business thing. It might be a hotel or something. But there was some stuff that they were involved in. Like Robert was look. Robert owns a soccer team with Steve Nash. Like Robert was there to help those guys. And Booker, being a young kid, teenager coming into the NBA, you know, Robert was there to help him. Whether it was buying a house or just business advice and stuff like that. He was there for him. Monty Williams, he had a range of emotions in reaction to the Sarver news. Just a number of emotions. Um, And at the same time, um, thinking about my own kids, uh, I have a a white wife, uh, my stepson is white, and I have five black children. And just thinking about them living in a world where these kinds of things still happen, you know, that bothered me. So I'm no different than you all. There was a range of emotions and and, uh, states of mind that I dealt with. Specifically, his reaction to Robert Sarver's use of the N-word, quote, I was quite frankly disgusted, close quote, was Monty from earlier today. Now, Chris Paul's got a more active role in this. He was one of the first players to tweet about it when it was all said and done. He said he's spoke to Adam Silver about it, like many of his other players around the NBA. Yeah, uh, I talk to Adam uh, regularly, you know what I mean? Um, Also, uh, Kyle Lowry, CJ McCollum, um, and and different guys, but uh, for the most part, you know, guys sort of give their feelings, say say how they feel, and you, you sort of try to, you know, move on, move on with that trying to move on, but he, he also, this is also what he said about the Sarver findings. Let me play this too. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, you know, that uh, stuff going on in the workplace, you know, is, is, is really unfortunate. So just like I'm sure everybody felt, you know, thoughts and prayers to all those involved and, um, you know, you try to control what you can control and, um, 
you know, I can't speak for all the, the players and everything like that, but uh, it was uh, it was tough to, to read and it was disturbing. When you're a leader and in a position the way Chris Paul is, you do have to uh, find out as much as you can about the situation, what can be done, what more can be done, how do we make sure this doesn't happen again. I'm an employee of the Phoenix Suns. You know, I'm one of many employees of the Phoenix Suns, and there were many employees of the Phoenix Suns that were, uh, what the report said, treated badly, and how do we make sure that this doesn't happen? So I think Chris was in a different situation than even Book because of his leadership role, not just on the Suns, but in the NBA. Yeah, some of the players that he referenced, C.J. McCollum, he referenced Kyle Lowry uh, as players who had talked to Adam Silver. There was a story yesterday, I think you saw too, Steph Curry acknowledged that he Steph spoke Curry, with Adam yeah. Silver uh, about it as as well. Um, and so now we move forward with the potential sale. And, and the one thing that I'm starting to get a read on, and I think you're starting to get a read on too, this organization is going to be highly, highly valued in the marketplace. Yeah, two and a half, comes two and half million, $2.5 billion somewhere around there. But I was thinking before we talk about that for oh, a second, yeah, just, sure, just, you know, a thought of just how different this day could have been if Robert Sauber did not announce that he was selling the I'm team. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking the same thing a couple yeah. of minutes ago. How, that- how, how would that have how badly could that have gone if there was no, you know, if if the, if he wasn't selling the team? It makes I don't it would it could have been bad. It could have been bad in the sense that it would have put players and general managers and coaches in the position of would they have called for him to sell the team? Would they have publicly called for their boss to sell the team? Would they have gone that far? Would they have just said no comment? Would there have been statements of support for Robert Sarver despite what's going on around him? I mean, by the the one thing I'll say about Robert and what's gone down the last couple of weeks, by announcing his decision to sell when he did, he really did his general manager, his former general manager, his former coach, and his former players a real service by announcing it when he did and not putting them yes. in the position yeah. of having to address the unknown of whether he was going to sell them today. Because that could have... Who knows who would have said what in that circumstance? Maybe player A says, yeah, I can't play for this guy. He's got to sell the team. Player B says, I back him. That's not the Robert I know. Uh, front office executive A says, I think he needs to sell the team. Front office executive B says, nope, I think he should keep it and let him have a chance for forgiveness. Who knows how, by taking that off their plate today, he made that part of today much easier yeah. for them to deal with. You know, with. it's almost like, you know, somebody asking you to vouch for somebody that you know a little bit, but you don't know a whole lot. Like, you know, like somebody, can you vouch for this person? Or, you know, you get a call about a job interview or something, and hey, they put you down, and you know the person a little, but you don't like, you don't, it's all, like, unless you really, really know a person, and I think that's what James is trying to say. Look, I know Robert, but I, like, I, I didn't know that part of him, but that's not to say that, you know, this stuff didn't happen. So when I released my statement, I could really was just talking about the experiences I had with him. As always, you can text us your thoughts. The FanDuel sex line is open right now at 620-620. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, The best part about the Cardinals yesterday was on defense. Doesn't mean it was all great, but there's some good stuff to talk about, and we will next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Big Red Monday and Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Stafford takes the snap, hands for Akers up the middle, and Akers fumbled the ball, and it's recovered by the Cardinals at the two-yard line. They still have life. 
I don't want to sit here and paint this picture like the Cardinals' defense was oh, perfect yesterday. Oh, Bob Ross, go paint Bob yeah, Ross. No, paint. I'm not. I'm, I'm putting the brush down uh, on this one. All right, I'm not putting the happy tree no, happy here, tree. Or happy cloud there. Or, <laughs> you know anything? I'm not. I'm, there, there's no. There's no. There's no. There's no happy Bob Ross kind of stuff here. Mm. There were plenty of things that went wrong yesterday for the Cardinals' defense, but. The conclusion is if you hold the LA Rams to 20 points in a football game, win. you're giving your offense gotta plenty win. of chances to win a football game, right? And there were plenty of things that went wrong yesterday for the Cardinals defense. They didn't get their hands on enough balls that were passed. They didn't pressure the quarterback very well. The Isaiah Simmons situation, we'll get into that. The Zayvon Collins situation, uh, we'll get we'll into get that. Into this. I, I we'll mean, there's, that. but you hold Matthew Stafford and the Rams to 20 points. That's an open invitation for your offense to win the football game and the Cards offense couldn't take care of it. Let's talk Cards defense for a little bit. What stood out to you? Well, I'm happy that J.J. White got another sack. I mean, I think that, you know, that's you put it on film, throw it out there, let people be concerned about you. Um, so I think that was that. I thought the big play by Buddha was a huge play. You know, each week they seem to be coming up with these plays. They're not getting the interceptions, but they're forcing fumbles, right? It's a little bit on an oddity there. Like last week, you had Zabin forced the fumble. They didn't recover it. Then Isaiah forced the fumble. They recovered it. They scored. This week, Buddha forces the fumble. So they're getting their helmet on the ball. They're, they're hitting guys pretty hard. They're not coming up with the interceptions. So that's a little bit of a concern with me. Stafford had, what, five interceptions going into the game after two weeks? Yep. Led the league. And they weren't able to pick him off. So, but they are getting, they are getting those fumbles. What stood out to me is they, you know, they, the ability to shut down Cooper Cup was just phenomenal. I mean, four catches for 44 yards and that, I mean, that's incredible. What they did to one of the best receivers in this league was mind boggling. He was, uh, they were fantastic and, and it, it, they were fantastic in what they did with him. And that was almost a career, in many ways, a career worst game for Cooper Cup in terms of many metrics and many ways to look at it. Yeah. They, they absolutely shut him down and and while they didn't get the the interception that they were looking for Marco Wilson came close to getting one in the end zone and I know close doesn't count but there's enough there I, I think the biggest thing out of credit that I'll say for the defense they got to a really rough start the Rams big play big play big play big play they were averaging like nine and a half yards every time they touched the ball in the first quarter of that game to Vance Joseph's credit and to their credit they adjusted. They adjusted about halfway through that second quarter, and they they forced, I think at one point, three straight three-and-outs by the Rams. They had a goal-line stand in the Buddha fumble. They forced Matt Gay into a 20-something yard field goal when they couldn't convert inside the red zone. They did more than enough in that game, and, and all that being said, there are still so many things that went wrong. They can't pressure the quarterback. There's nobody else they really. They can't pressure the quarterback. They, they're not, other There's than no J.J. Pressure. Watt, and even then, no. J.J. Watt with a sack, there's not enough consistent pressure. Yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul signed with the Ravens. They liked him, but they weren't obviously weren't going to pay five and a half million dollars to Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, you know, these we got to talk about these rookies not playing. Yeah, let's like, talk we about got, these we rookies. Got, we got to talk playing. about these guys not playing. Isaiah, you got the snap count in front of you? I do. Isaiah Simmons played 16 snaps yesterday. Last week it was 15. His percentage went up dramatically because there weren't as many plays. He was in on about 33% of the plays. But Isaiah Simmons only out there about a third of the time. And here's what Cliff said about it earlier today on Wolf and Luke. Yeah, I think he had another really, really good outing. And, and he'll continue to do that. And, and his practice practices have been really good the last two weeks. And I think the game's slowing down for him and he's flying around and making plays and, and that's the expectation and I expect his role to continue to increase as as he continues to, to make those big strides that he's made. 
Thirty percent. Thirty percent. I mean, I think Cliff is, you know, Cliff is saying all the right stuff. But for, who was out there in front of him? Ben Neiman. Ben Neiman. I mean, it wasn't like uh, Vid- Nick Vigil didn't get a lot of snaps, if I'm not mistaken. No. I didn't see him on the on. The, I don't. I didn't have the Pro Football Focus snap count, but I didn't see Nick Vigil out there a whole lot. Nick Vigil played more snaps than Isaiah Simmons. How many yesterday. did he play? He played eighteen. He was out there thirty eight percent of the thirty eight percent of the time. Two thirds of the time, I'm not seeing these. Ben Neiman. What did Ben Neiman get? Fifteen snaps. One less than Isaiah Simmons. 31% of the time. Tanner Vallejo got 13 snaps. I mean, Ben Neiman made Simmons. one play early in the game, and then he acted like he won the Super Bowl. I was like, who is that guy? Did you see that? I'm like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? The Cardinals just won the Super Bowl! Yeah! And I'm like, who is that? It's Ben Neiman. I'm like, who the hell's Ben Neiman? This sort of one plays like, oh, he's like, boom, boom, dude, relax. Yeah, I did see that. You made a tackle. Yeah, like, uh, you this, get paid this, for that. This Isaiah Simmons situation, I mean, look, if it seems pretty simple to me. If he were really doing everything in practice the way they want yeah, him yeah, to do, yeah, he'd be out 80% or more. He'd be out there playing. Yeah. He's yeah. clearly still not showing them everything they want to see from him. He's clearly not doing everything they want him to do for them. There's no way that a, a, a player is athletically gifted yep. as Isaiah Simmons is only playing a third of the time, a quarter of the time, if he's right where he needs to be in terms of coaching and instruction. He's obviously not. The question is, how much longer, you know, how much more is he going to take out of him before he's on the field? Is he too much of a liability to be on the field 80% of the time, 90% of the time? Are they worried? Yeah, and why? Yeah. What, what is it about him that makes him a liability to be out there that much time on the field? Yeah. No, it's, it's something they got to figure out. Another one, Trayvon Mullen played. You know, I reported that he was going to play last week. He played, but only special teams. He didn't get one single defensive snap. Just special teams. Not one. So he was ready. He was good to go, but they didn't play him on the defense. Chase Whitaker got 95% of the How snaps. How is Chase Whitaker getting that many snaps? 95%. Yeah, I, honestly, not for nothing, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I, Chase you know, Whitaker's getting all these snaps? I don't know what the answer is to this question. Doesn't it seem like there's a real disconnect between front the front and office the and the defensive players they draft and the coaches and how they use yeah. those players. I'm sure Steve Kime and Adrian Wilson are like, we put together a really good roster, now it's up to you guys. And the coaches are like, well, you know, some of these guys aren't good enough to play. And so I'm like, I so, saw, but I, you know, I would think that Kime and A-Dub, who do, a, you know, those guys mainly handle the roster with a bunch of other help. I would think that they feel really good about the, uh, the, the talent that they put out there, but for some reason, some of the coaches aren't playing those guys. And, how many snaps did McBride get yesterday? He started the game. They started off with two tight ends. They were in a two tight end formation to start the game. They throw the ball to Zach Ertz. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I mean, I, I want to see more of Max Williams, too. Do we not realize what a good football player Max Williams is? Trey McBride, yeah. thank you for asking, played five snaps on offense, 15 snaps on special teams. So forget, ignore the special teams. Five snaps on offense. Five! <laughs> Cameron Thomas uh, played three snaps on defense. And what uh, is with Majai Sanders, Cameron Thomas, and Trey McBride? Majai Sanders wasn't even, did wasn't they even not, active did they, for the did, game. You know, listen, I mean, it could look. Mike D'Antoni once told um, Robert Sarver, don't, dra- you, don't draft anybody in the first round. I'm not playing them. I'm not going to play them. Yeah. Like, I'm not playing rookies. Mike D'Antoni, 
famously said, I am not, if you draft a guy in the first round, he's not going to play. I'm not going to get a, the 25th pick in the draft. He's not playing on this roster. I mean, is, do you, is it did, did he, does Vance not want to play these kids? I don't know. And, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know who's right. Is 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 Steve Keim right in wanting Isaiah Simmons to play? Is Vance Joseph right in saying Isaiah Simmons isn't ready to play? We had Steve. We had Steve on the show on Friday. I got the distinct impression from him that we were going to see a lot of Isaiah Simmons on Sunday. Didn't you? Yes. I got the distinct impression we were going to see a lot of Isaiah Sims. And we haven't even talked about Zayvon Collins, who played a bunch, whiffed on the sack when he couldn't bring down Stafford. The good news is, like, he got there. At least he right, got, he but got then on the, there. But then on the next drive, he allowed a wide receiver playing the fullback position to, to block, block him, him out of the touchdown run by Cam Akers. So but at least he was on the good, field. Sometimes, if you, as a wide receiver, you can get a, if you get a good angle, you can block somebody that's 100 pounds more than you. Yeah. When we come back, the Cardinals lost again at home again and to the Rams again. I'm sensing a trend here again next on the Burns and Gambo Show.